Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I am Louise McSharry, obviously, and I'm delighted to be here with you for another week. This is episode 25. 25. Can you believe it? That means we're coming up on half a year of this podcast. And I know I say it a lot, but honestly, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making this what it is um I'm so excited for the live show in a couple of weeks as part of Dublin Fringe it is sold out but um I'm hoping if it goes well I can do more shows down the line and um we can all be in the room together because that just sounds so appealing to me um I didn't have a very kind of eventful week it was pretty low-key lots of time with my kids and stuff and just general family um getting on with life uh Sam went back to senior infants this week very exciting feel very lucky that um he loves his school and he kind of was very happy going back in. And I know that's not always the case. So um, if you had a tougher week with kids, maybe starting school for the first time or starting crash for the first time or starting Montessori for the first time or even just going back to school and maybe not feeling so great about it. Um, I'm thinking of you because um, I, I certainly was counting my blessings. We've got lots to talk about today, so I'm not going to blather on too much. Later on, I've got a chat with Emma Doran, comedian, who I just so enjoyed talking to. We talked about her career to date and we talked a lot about like motherhood and its impact on your identity and carving out your own stuff within your role as a mother which I think lots of people will enjoy listening to whether you are a parent or not and um, we've also got obviously a big catch-up on the week's entertainment news at the end we're going to talk about Britney's voice note we'll talk about Win Butler of Arcade Fire we're going to talk about which celebs were hanging out in Cork this week there's loads of great stuff to come but first let's catch up with the news. Aoife Moore the exquisite talented elegant and all-knowing Yes, that's right. All knowing. Okay. Um, political correspondent for the Sunday Times Ireland. Hello. If you've ever seen me getting on and out of a taxi, elegant is not the word <laughs> that I would use. Um, how are you doing? I mean, it's been a week. Yeah. Um, the dads are mad. Yeah. The dads are mad at me. But, um, you know, their dads are screaming under their phone and I'm going on the late late. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to reveal that, but we are revealing it. By the it. time it comes out, the, yeah. the podcast comes out, we can talk about it. So yeah, uh, I'm doing a live Louise McShire podcast by myself on the Late Late. <laughs> 
You're going to be amazing. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on Friday, Eve is on the late late tonight. If you're listening to this mm-hmm. on Saturday, she was on the late late last night. And uh, I think you can fit you can extrapolate that information into the other days. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, if you don't, if you miss it, you could watch it in the RT player. But we know that's easier said than done. So do you know what's great? I can say. The RT player is shite. I seen a tweet once and it was like, what we should do to keep Donald Trump away from the nuclear codes is get the person who created the RT player do you to know, put them in front of the nuclear I code. feel very sorry for the people who do work on the RT player because they are working really hard and doing course, their best. Yeah. But they just, its I think it comes down to budget. I don't really yeah, know the ins and outs, but I know that there's lots of lovely people working the RT player and I'm very sorry that the platform lets you down. Um, anyway, we have got a lot to talk about, so we better get into it. Um, sorry for bashing my microphone there. Um, and I suppose we should start with uh, schools came back this week and mm-hmm. there were huge conversations around cost of living. Yeah, so first, uh, I always have to remember we used to do it different from us. So first class mm-hmm. and like senior infants and junior infants all went back this week. There was very cute footage and all the news um, this week, but it has starkly shown people about the cost of living. So St. Vincent de Paul regional offices said they took on average 30 calls an hour this week people who are struggling to send their kids back to school um overall demand as Vincent Paul said for their services alone is up 20% compared to last year yeah um they said things like obviously the government knew this was going to happen so what they did was they increased the back to school clothing and footwear alliance Mm. and then they expanded free school transport as well so the government are aware of this they have done something however so Vincent de Paul said, yeah, we would have needed that anyway without the cost of living crisis that we're already in. So that they were saying that once they get, like, I find it mad that you have to pay for school books. Like, when I found that out, yeah, I was like, that's mad. But they were saying, so like, you know, your usual stuff, school bags, stationery, uniforms, socks, shoes, whatever. They were saying that once they get all that, they have like no food left or no money left for food or yeah. heating or whatever else. I can understand that. Like, you know, my son went back to the senior infants this week and he doesn't wear uniform, which is much easier for mm. us. It means we don't have to go out and buy special clothes. He did need a few new bits, though. He mm. did need new shoes and he did need a new school bag. And, you know, all that stuff, it, it, it adds, adds up. up. Yeah. And they were saying that some schools, when they're so on the first day back, parents were asked for 150 euros and they're told that everyone has to pay I think this is called like voluntary fees yeah, or voluntary something contribution yeah, yeah I don't have kids and I didn't go to school here so this is kind of above my head but well, yeah I paid my voluntary contribution this week yeah it's not which voluntary is fine. though <laughs> well it is I mean in our school I have to say it's it's n- it it feels voluntary mm-hmm. like the I I haven't felt that there's undue pressure mm-hmm. put on and I certainly feel like there would be a dialogue like if you weren't in if a you weren't able to, pay, to it, yeah, yeah in our school so Vincent DeBall were saying that some schools are just saying you know everyone has to pay they yeah. gave some like um, testimonies from parents and this is what really bugs me when people always talk or the government usually talk about like full employment so Ireland's in full employment yeah. what they never say is that we have the highest rate of work and per in yeah. Europe and this parent said I haven't been given enough hours at work this month. I'm not going to be able to pay the bills and cover all back-to-school expenses. I'm, and I'm not entitled to the back-to-school allowance. Yeah. This is the other thing. You can pay five, six euro over the threshold. And they were saying that the back-to-school allowance must be expanded because everything else is more expensive. So you might have been over it before. Yeah. But because of the cost of love and crisis and inflation. Yeah. 
technically know you're behind it, even if it doesn't look that way on paper. Yeah. And I mean, I know there was a lot of conversation this week about energy costs as well, because Mm -hmm. um, some businesses have seen absolutely enormous energy bills and people are feeling that in their households as well. Like, you know, you're really being hit from every direction. And especially the small businesses. So I only know this anecdotally because my dad's a barman, but they got their last year's bill and this year's bill. You know, they were telling them how much um, the cost per unit for electricity is going to go up. And my dad's pub in rural Donegal has gone up some of it. Parts of the bill are going up nearly 500% per insane. unit. It's it's mental. And it's the small businesses that are going to suffer. Like the McDonald's of the world are going to be fine. Mm. But it is rural pubs, small cafes, you know, independent shops, mm. those kinds of things. So, um, you know, the budget is now three weeks away yeah and it'll be really interesting to see how government tries to tackle this because the we know that they can do it they did it in COVID they're going to have to try and pull the finger out again yeah and um, there was a clip that went viral this week as well oh God, um now it's from the UK but I I think you know it reflects a feeling that is definitely present here in Ireland and um, she's a dinner lady and she said that she has been crying going into work because she has to tell kids that she can't give them any food because they don't have money on their account have a listen to this I'm a dinner lady in Lancashire and just before the summer holidays when the cost of living crisis really started kicking off um, I've just noticed I spend as much time taking food away from children as I do serving it and to be honest it's not what I took the job for you know I never dreamt that I'd be having to tell children you can't have that you've no money on your account and it used to be you know when I first started a year ago okay once a month there might you know parents forget to put money on at the beginning of the month and you get that but now you're talking 10 to 15 children a shift every day every single day and I'm saying you can't have that there's no money you know and it's breaking my heart you know you see them they're in a queue full of all their peers and other school children and it's humiliating for them it's so humiliating they just look at you like well what am I going to eat and it's like I can't give you anything I'm sorry you know um and I'm just dreading going back to work. I'm dreading October. And to be honest, it's getting to the point where I'm just like, I don't even think I can do this job anymore. I didn't take the job on to starve children. I'm sorry, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just something has to give. And I just don't think it should be children's spirits. It would break your heart. And I'm so sad. Like, I know it's the UK, but, you know, we can't pretend like we're not having those problems. And as you say, Mm -hmm. the government is going to have to do something about it because it's just not good enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I just, it just kills, when when you think about it, as she describes, kids standing in a queue with their friends, not, no, like being told in front of people, you've you've no money. And I'm sure that people are, 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 you know, the schools are working very hard and people like her Mm -hmm. are working very hard to not humiliate these kids. But let me tell you, as a kid who never had the right stuff, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when I was... Oh, it stays with you. Like, oh my God, it stays with you. Mm -hmm. It stays with you forever. Like yesterday, my son went back to school and um, he goes to a desh school. Mm -hmm. And this year, they're actually going to be given lunches, which I actually feel kind of guilty about saying mm. because I am in a position to provide a lunch for my son. But mm. um, anyway, that's it's what's happened. Um, and thank God there are those those plans in place, but they should be in every school, in my opinion. But anyway, um, I had read the email wrong and I thought that the lunches were being given from yesterday. And okay. I sent him in with a few <laughs> snacks just in case. And he came home and he said, Mom, everybody else had a sandwich lunch and you didn't give me a sandwich lunch. And oh I was God. like, oh, no. People are going to be talking about you. But like <laughs> that hits me so hard yeah. because I often didn't have... Mm-hmm what I was meant to have mm-hmm. you know and I know what it feels like to be yeah. there and for everyone else 
and to also, have the right stuff and you not have it. And I was very fortunate that I was never that kid, but everyone also remembers that kid. Yeah. You know, like you remember that and not in a way that you would slag them off, but it is like you always remember the Wayne's at school. I even mind my granda who grew up in a disused army camp because there was no houses. And I remember him talking about another boy that lived in the camp and he said, Oh, he, yeah, they were very poor. Mm. And I remember thinking, you'd love to have a disused army camp. And he remembers that kid being very poor. So it stays with people, it definitely does. Big time. So we have to get on it. I'm going to have to. Um, Moving to, well, actually, let's stay in Ireland because there was a story this week. Uh, This is an interesting one now uh, because I think it's a good example of spin. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there has been an injunction um, has been granted to a school after they suspended a teacher um, who they've had some hassle with. Um, Yeah, so anyone who works in the legal profession, anyone who has done a law degree in Ireland, um, anyone who works in the media will know this family. So the Burke family, um, all very, very well-educated family from Mayo, I believe, uh, all educated in UIG. They are a very litigious family. Um, I think both the parents were solicitors, if I'm not mistaken. There's one of the sisters is a solicitor. Um, and they are constantly, you know, um, involved in different legal cases. So this is the son, um, Enoch Burke. He was a teacher at a school, well, uh, it was a hospital school in uh, Westmeath. So the school, it's a secondary school. They have secured a temporary high court injunction preventing Mr. Burke, who opposes addressing a student with the pronoun they from either attending classes at its premises or from teaching classes at the school while he remains suspended. Now, Mr. Burke was not suspended because he didn't use the pronouns they. I think it's very important to say that from the outset. Mr. Burke was going through a disciplinary procedure because he had had... The school said that they were focusing on the needs and the welfare of the student because the student and the student's parents had attended and said they want to be um, referred to as they. And within, you know, there's a thing called the Equal Status Act and Mm. the school cannot discriminate against any student. So they asked the teachers to refer to the child as they because that's what they want. So... Mr. Burke refused. Um, He said he objected to it and he questioned the school's position. He said that his constitutional rights were being um, breached. Now, this is why he was, this, now what I talk about is why he was suspended. So there was a a service at the school, they marked the 260th anniversary, that's very old. Mm. And it was attended by, you know, past pupils, staff, teachers, clergy, Uh, he interrupted the service and said that the school's principal, I'm not going to name her just because she's probably getting enough grief, should <laughs> withdraw the earlier demand regarding the transitioning of the student, that he could not agree with transgenderism, and he went against it went against the school's ethos and the teaching of the Church of Ireland. He spoke to members of the congregation and students, and then he walked out of the school chapel. Then there was a dinner. He turned up at the dinner but didn't sit down, and they were all sitting it was very awkward, very tense. Then he, after the dinner was over, he approached the principal and asked her to withdraw the request, then followed her around. She said, listen, this is really inappropriate. I'll talk to you at a more appropriate time. He followed her and continued to question her loudly. And then it got so bad that other people had to stand between this man and the teacher. So arising out of this incident, a disciplinary process was commenced. It's been considered by the board and he was suspended. 
But then he started showing up to the school again. And that's why there's been a high court injunction. I just have some concerns Mm. that people who are not arguing in good faith Mm. are going to jump on the story and say that this man was suspended from the school because of his religious beliefs and because he didn't want to say the they pronoun. I would like to make it very clear Mm. that that is not the case. And there will be headlines, I have no doubt, in certain newspapers in England and America and here, and people are going to jump on this, but to be very clear, he was not suspended because he didn't want to use the pronoun they. He was suspended because he turned up at a mass and started giving off to people. Yeah, he disrupted a school event and was behaved completely inappropriately with the school principal. Like, yes. That's that's what it comes down to. Okay, well, I wanted to I wanted to, to make sure that people had clarity on that as mm-hmm. well. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, now, let's talk about what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi, because it seems to be a repeat of what's gone on in Flint, Michigan. Yeah, so Mississippi's capital is now without water. I believe this is four, three days now. Um, people are queuing for bottled water, um, brushing their teeth, washing their clothes, all this sort of, the water is brown. If you can get online to look at it, it's not even like, you know, sometimes water has a tint. No. This is brown water. It started on Monday when a river flooding nudged, uh, basically pushed a water treatment plant and the failure and they couldn't even produce enough water to flush toilets. Now, this is an ongoing thing. The water system in this, in this city has been troubled for years. They had already been under a boil water notice since July. Um, they said that now 150,000 people are without water. Can I just say, there's 120,000 people in Derry, I believe. So, like, this is, like, the whole of Derry not having um, mm. any water. And you would hear about it if it was us. <laughs> and um, they said that they're hoping that they can restore the water by this week this is also a majority black city which flint michigan also was there has been long-standing issues and concerns with the environmental protection agency about the water treatment in this city and other cities yeah so at jackson i'm just looking here it's 82.5 percent of jackson is black see it's important to note that because like you know it's hard to but i just don't i personally do not believe that this would be allowed to happen in a city that was 82.5 percent white yeah and the other issue along with like obviously health and safety but you know businesses can't open restaurants bars you know you can't you need water anyone who's worked in a bar would tell you you need water for absolutely everything you're washing that stuff all the time every area of your Um, life yeah, so the other issue is is like water is a privatized utility mm. in America, across America, because everything is a privatized utility. Yeah. And this is what happened, you know, Flint, we saw it before in twenty fifteen. The water was tainted, there was toxins, um, people were getting illnesses. This is an ongoing if anyone's seen Aaron Brockovich, yeah. It's the same thing. Um and Joe Biden has allocated a lot of money for disaster relief, and this is technically, um, what's the word? A disaster? Yeah, technically uh, listed as, as a disaster. Um, and they don't know when they're going to get their water back. It's just wild that you can be in America and this can be your situation. Oh, I think this is a very American situation. I mean, I know, but like, like it just is such an indictment mm. of America, another indictment of America at the moment. Yeah, and like, I I remember when you were a kid, well, you were a kid in America, but I used to think, oh, I'd love to live in America. Would they live in America? It'd be so cool. Mm. I would not want to live in America. No, I wouldn't either now. No. People ask me sometimes, like, I'm 
just for clarification, lest there's anyone who doesn't know, I'm totally Irish. I was born mm. in Dublin, but I moved to America when I was had just turned seven. And people often ask me, oh, do you wish you'd stayed there? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, who would I be? I, yeah. I don't know. I would be such a different person. And I, I would have found it so I difficult also, to live through the last eight years politically. I also think it's much um, easier to become successful through um, taking the piss out of your own trauma. In Ireland. <laughs> yes, that's They true. don't really like it when you make them uncomfortable in America. No, they're very <laughs> sincere. Um, okay, let's move to Pakistan because um, I think it's important to highlight what's happening there. Yeah, if anyone has seen the videos, oh my God, it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, the climate crisis is the prime suspect, mm. as usual. These floods in Pakistan are absolutely devastating. They have killed more than a thousand people now. I would say we must be at nearly 2,000 people now. Mm. Um, it is... I was listening to a podcast about this and they were saying that Pakistan, unfortunately, has like this combination of factors that, you know, vulnerable, poor citizens, very mountainous. Pakistan's obviously known for its mountains. Mm. Um, then destruction of embankments and dams, which were never that starting in the first place. Mm. And then natural climate variation. Mm. So this is the worst floods that Pakistan has ever seen. Mm. Um it's an unbroken cycle of monsoon, monsoon rain. Mm. So it's been eight weeks of non-stop and literally huge swathes. And Pakistan is a massive country. Huge swathes of the country are now completely underwater. Um, it's to do with basically the heat and the rain. And that is breaking all these dams. Um, the South Asian monsoon is now more intense and more erratic because of... The one cent centigrade Celsius Celsius Celsius. <laughs> Celsius rise in global temperature, which every degree it goes up, they get five percent more rain. Yeah. So they've had regular floods. This isn't relatively new, but this is the worst they've ever seen it. I watched videos um, online. And you can see actual like entire buildings mm. just being washed away as if they're made of sand. Yeah. Like they're just, they just disappear into the kind of river, but it's not a river, it's someone's street. No, and, and, and look, I mean, I hate to be this person all the time, but like if this was happening in a country that was populated by white people or that mm. was in Europe, like there would be. Well, we know that the climate emergency is going to um, affect the South, South Asian Pacific uh, the deadliest yeah. and they tend to be the poorest yeah. countries and I have no doubt that if stuff like this started happening in Western Europe or the West there would be a lot more talk about climate on the news yeah. we could go three four days and watch broadcast news and we don't mention the climate yeah absolutely um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes if you would like to make a donation to support the people of Pakistan because they're going to need a lot of help um, now finally I just wanted to finish on a nice little story tea tea it's going to save our lives. I don't know. <laughs> see, when I see these studies, I'm often like, oh, convenienttheoriesforyou.com. Um, no, I, so do, I also think that, but I just, the news is so bleak, you it guys. Is, it we is have so to have bleak. something. So drinking tea is now associated with a lower risk of mortality. So you could possibly live longer <laughs> if you drink tea. So compared to those who do not drink tea, people who consumed two or more cups each day had between a 9 and 13% chance of lower risk of mortality. If that is the case, my dad is going to love these about 206. <laughs> well, this is it. And this is why I wanted to share it, because and we all need something positive to hold on and to. And it's the same no matter whether you have coffee, milk, sugar, 
added to their tea, uh, whether there was genetic variants involved, uh, whether how quick you metabolize caffeine. Um, it doesn't matter. You're just going to live longer. So the, it's from the UK National Institute of Health. It'd be so funny if this was owned by like Barry's. <laughs> <laughs> who used the data from Biobank who said that 85% of the half a million men and women who drink who aged 40 to 69 in the UK reported that they regularly drank tea. 89% of them said they drank black tea. Which I think drinking a black black tea in Ireland is a bit rare. People yeah. do it, but it's not everyone has milk. Usually. Yeah, no, yeah. everybody has milk. And my mom is a weirdo. Well, no, she's not a weirdo, <laughs> but like she doesn't. I mean, in reality, what she drinks is black tea, but she puts the tiniest. Oh my God, I've seen people like that tiniest drop of milk in like I don't do I don't do it because I, if I do it I'll, I'll do too much I used to go out with a fella who would pour the milk into the lid of the yeah. milk container yeah and then pour that in the tea and it's like there is no possible way you can taste the difference that would literally be 10 times too much for my mom like she wants it's like it's like a, a suggestion of milk like a like just wave the carton across the uh, but but she wants it you know what I mean it's wild yeah, um, that relationship doesn't last very long. Anyone who has bad attention to detail can't go out with me. Um, yeah, so the most widely consumed tea in Europe is black tea. And it's associated with... What can tea not do? Associated with um, lower cardiovascular disease, mortality over 10 years in a middle-aged, mostly white adult junior population. And yeah, apparently just keep at the tea. Save our lives to you, please. Um, Aoife, so yeah, we've plugged you're on the Late Late Show tonight. You are speaking at Electric Picnic this weekend yes, on Saturday. Where can people find you if they want to? Yeah, uh, Aoife Grace, we're on Twitter and Instagram. And also, uh, yeah, we're doing, I'm doing a talk for a change at Amnesty International and Louise is coming along to take photos and cheer for me. Yeah, me and Aoife are going to be bombing around Electric Picnic together this weekend. So if you see us, come and say hi. Um, unless we look messy, then no, maybe don't. avoid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have a great one. Um, thank you so much. Even more political correspondent for the Sunday Times Ireland. Emma Dorn is a comedian who many people came to know during the pandemic via her Instagram sketches. I certainly did anyway. This week, I had the chance to talk to her about her upcoming gigs in Dublin and her role in No Worries If Not, which is a new sketch comedy show recently announced. It's going to be on RTE2. I so enjoyed chatting to Emma this week about her career so far and the impact motherhood can have on your identity. It's a little bit longer than uh, the usual interviews on this show, but I thought it was worthwhile um, because we got into the really good stuff toward the end. I hope you enjoy. I am with Emma Doran and Emma I think I think most people will know you from Instagram yeah. from your sketches and um, which is how I came to know you but for people who don't know you maybe do a little a little introduction a little introduction so um let me think now so I've been doing uh stand-up for about nine-ish years um and I would have done like a little bit of online stuff and then I think probably like a lot of people. I was online a lot during lockdown. So yeah, people might have seen me then. And then, so I've been doing that. And then before that, um, just loads of, um, I'm, I've had a lot of jobs, you know, I'm one of those people that's had a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. So people are like, I don't, I don't recognize her from Instagram, but I recognize her from somewhere. They probably worked with me at one point for six <laughs> months. You know, I'm that person who had the like vague admin role. And then was like, bye. Um, 
That's so, the same yeah. for everybody who's doing anything creative, though, I think. Yes. Like, you know, yeah. you're trying to bridge the gap, make the money so that you can do whatever it is that you really want to be doing, which for you is obviously comedy. 100%, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done a lot of jobs. And how do you feel about that? Because um, I Shane um, Shane Daniel Byrne, as he's known yes, on Instagram, was on the podcast a while ago. And I was talking to him and he was saying some people don't really like the association with the kind of pandemic because obviously there are a lot of people who came to prominence, I think, online from making yes. sketches online during the pandemic. But he said some people don't really like that association. Um. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all because I think like the pandemic and COVID is something that we all went through together, even though obviously everyone had their own experiences and um, whatever. But I think it was something that we all did together. So I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to be billed as Emma Doran COVID comedian. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, right. no, we have yeah, no, that I now. don't mind it at all. <laughs> Not at all. Um, and it, there seems to be a nice kind of community between all of you guys who, yeah. who did, I suppose, gain Girl a huge company. following. Well, <laughs> yeah, you've all moved beyond it now. Yeah, but it seems like there's good, great camaraderie, and you all kind of get on well because you've done so many cool things together now. Yeah, like most recently, GUTF, Get Up to Fuck, yes. uh, the morning show, sketch so morning fun. show, so much fun. And now I know that you're doing a series, a sketch comedy series for RTE. Yes, with um, Justine Stafford, Sean Burke, Michael Fry, and. Killian Sunderman, who even if you don't know their names, you definitely know their faces. Yes, um, you would, definitely. So I feel like you guys all must kind of know each other quite intimately at this stage. We actually do. I mean, because we were even talking about, say, when I met you last year at the Stellar Awards. Yeah. We were all kind of just getting to know each other. And that's, I don't even think that's a year ago, but we've spent so much time together now that we really, um, we really know each other. And the nice thing about the sketch side of stuff is... Um, it's different to stand-up. So I would have come from the stand-up world where, say, especially when you're starting out, you might meet the person who's closing the show. Yeah. And at the start, I thought it was like, oh my God, that's so rude. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, yeah, I completely get it. You can't be staying in town every night for the entirety of a club gig. So yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. So we've actually spent like solid um, time together. So it's been really nice. And how did the TV show come about? The TV show came about, um, I just got a call from the director. That was it. And I I think maybe like a lot of people in comedy or even in media in general, I had just f like forgotten about TV as a, <laughs> I don't mean as a consumer. As maybe, an maybe a little bit <laughs> as a consumer as well. But just as like a possibility or, yeah. you know, another thing I could do because I'd done a few... Um, pilots over the years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and people who don't. And air, like air or like Ryanair or whatever. But I'd done a few, so I kind of had forgotten about TV. Yeah. So um, then the director came to me and said, look, we're, this is what we're putting together. So I was like, Nerdly. So we all went and rode together for a few days in a hotel with no windows. Mm -hmm. And um then it was just a Zoom, so we were like writing separately and then together as well. Yeah. Um, and then we got to film, so it was great. Uh, yeah, and I feel like I, when I was reading about this, I was reading Jim Jennings, um, who's, um, you know, very senior manager in RTE. Yes. And, and he was saying that, you know, he was talking about harnessing kind of all of your talent and he was acknowledging the fact that RTE was maybe a little bit behind when it came to comedy, that the foot had been off the the gas so yes. to speak for a while um, and I think it's interesting to see now 
um, you know, places like Ortiz having to turn to people who have created things for themselves, created identities yeah. and, you know, who have built followings. It feels like things have kind of reversed now and Ortiz is playing catch up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think everyone's kind of doing their own thing, aren't they? Yeah. So like, this is your own podcast. Yeah. Uh, like, like, you know, people understand now that the power isn't in the national broadcaster. It's in your own stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm delighted to do the show and I'll do more stuff. But I'm still very aware of um, I have to keep my own thing going. And that's yeah. what I want to do anyway, because I'm 100% in control of that and yeah. I own it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's different to back in the day where someone could go on the late late and they'd sell out their Vicar Street. Yeah. I don't think that exists anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think it's in a way it's nicer because you've more control of your own stuff and it's interesting as well because you're doing different stuff all the time yeah as I'm sure like you never have a week that's the same because no. you're working for yourself yeah so um I think it's it's exciting it's good yeah, yeah. and I suppose it's I mean if you've been doing stand-up eight or nine years it's, yeah it's obviously all changed so much in those eight or nine years yes it definitely has a lot like um it has changed. I think actually the whole atmosphere and the community has changed a lot. Mm. Like when I started, I didn't really gig with other female comedians. Mm. And you'd see, you might see another female comedian. And even just like the whole thing of like, you know, f like having to say female comedian, yeah. like, like it's not a separate genre or whatever. But you'd, you might see another female comedian on a poster and you'd never met her. It was like an urban legend. I'd yeah. never meet these women. At like one point I was like, this has to be Eleanor Turner just wearing a wig. Like <laughs> this is not, these people don't exist. Yeah. I've never met them. Whereas now I don't feel like there's like this thing of like a token female on a club yeah. lineup or whatever. And she's always the middle spot. Yeah. She's never clothes, like she's never headlining or whatever. So I think even that has, that's gone. I feel like it's still there, you know, in certain areas of it. Mm. But I feel that's even moved on so much. Yeah. So because when I started, I was on maternity leave. Right. So I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any friends in comedy. Yeah. Like I had people who I'd be friendly with and chat to, but I certainly didn't have like buddies. Yeah. Because I think I was just like, I felt like a bit of an alien. Now, obviously, stand up is a solo thing and lots of people feel like that. And, um, you know, that's why a lot of people enjoy it because it, <laughs> it is your own thing. You don't yeah. have to deal with other people. But um, I feel it's totally, it's, I feel like it really has moved on in the last few years. And had you always wanted to go into comedy? Like, was it always in the back of your head? What made you decide, okay, I'm going to do this? I think I always wanted to like maybe do something funny or performing, but I wasn't, I wasn't really sure. And I didn't really know. I never would have thought of stand-up comedy because I wouldn't have known how you got into it. I yeah. just assumed it was like, I assume that people <laughs> that got into acting or performing started when they were kids. Right. So anyone I went to school with who was in like a drama group, like getting into ads, insanely jealous. Yeah. And I was like, I've missed the boat. Like yeah. a friend of mine, <laughs> it's 
cool. No, I am you know right I mean? there with you. I went to see Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with my son there last week of the week before. He was not that bothered, um, but I was very into it because yeah. I was obsessed with it as a kid because I was taken to see it when I was maybe eight or nine. Oh, yeah. And I was so obsessed with it, but so furious that there were children in it. Mm. There's like a kid's choir is a big part of Joseph. Yes, yeah. And I was so angry that I just started lying to people and telling people that I'd been in it because it killed me that I hadn't. Yes. I just, why was I not getting these opportunities? And why were my parents failing me by not yes. putting me in the place to get the opportunities? <laughs> why leave somebody say it? This is how I felt. I'm still not. A girl in my class, her mom was on the on the Late Late Toy Show one time. Oh. A skip, like skipping or something, like going through different toys. Insanely jealous. No, it's not and fair. And to such an extent, this girl was always like the lead in all the school plays. She obviously had some sort of drama thing going on. She probably didn't. But I even looked her up like, like, and that was during lockdown. But I was like, <laughs> she worked in like a credit union or something. Yeah. And I was just like, bitch, you had it all. It was You this. wasted it. <laughs> it was there for the taking. You were in the folds from yeah. early doors. So, yeah, obsessed, <laughs> obsessed. Joseph is great, by the way. I did that in yeah. secondary school, in did an all-girls secondary school. Oh, all-girls secondary school. I'd say that was gas. It was, until they asked us to wear strap-ons. We were like, no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, like, why in an all-girls? There's something perverse about all-girls secondary school doing Joseph. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I always, I just didn't know how you get into it. Yeah. You know, it's like the Billy Ballys or Billy Barry's, but insanely jealous. And I, um, when I was on maternity leave, oh, actually, I'll tell you where, where it happened. I got into a community radio station. Right. Because I was a lone parent at the time mm. and they have these uh, CE schemes. Um, it's kind of like a back to work thing or whatever. No, I was only, I wasn't even that long out of college, but I qualified for it. Got into the community radio station and then they'd help you with training. Mm. Like they'd go half in on you, with you. And I did a television production course, which mm. is Really just, it's like an AA for people who want to be on TV where you can admit, <laughs> I want to, I want to do stuff on TV. And I did that and I did a show reel and I sent it to people. I, I'm looking at you now, I'm like, did I say, I could have sent it, I said to everyone, I'm like, did I say that to you? But um, one guy got back and he's like, oh, you should do comedy, like the only guy that got back. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did sketches and sent it to him. And then he was actually casting for, um, a prank you remember like or you were obsessed with prank shows back yes. in the day uh what was it naked camera and stuff yeah yeah oh, oh endless the fear yeah. yeah endless prank shows prank <laughs> prank prank i'm like i don't was like, that off the back of punk yes must have maybe been. it was yeah. yeah but it went it went on a long time but anyway <laughs> anyway happy to be doing a show with <laughs> so anyway <laughs> i uh he was like he got me to audition for this and I got it, but I was actually pregnant. Right. I hit like I kind of hid my pregnancy. Yeah. And, but I was due in May and then um, it was filming in May. But he was like, oh, you should look, you should do stand up. Mm. So I was like, okay. I was like, I got so far in that process. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I just Googled and signed up for an open mic night. But I thought it would be really intense. I thought it'd be like eight mile. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I find the idea of stand up just absolutely terrifying. But it's, it's actually fine. Like, is I, it? It, honestly, honestly, it is. I thought it was going to be like eight mile. Like yeah. I had that plane in my head the whole time. I was like two hours early. You got one shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better lose yourself. <laughs> it's just like upstairs in the Apeney Bridge yeah. Inn. Like the bar was like, 
a bit early. Like that's it. Yeah. Nobody cares. So um, I just did my first one. And I just I was hooked then. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it started out as a kind of a the first time I did it, I was like, oh, this is like some producer guy told me I should do this. So I'll just do it. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, I did stand up. I did yeah. stand up before. Yeah, I did that. And then I just got, I was hooked. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is the thing. This, this is, is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great when you have that feeling. I actually had that with radio the first time I sat in front of a microphone um, or IP my radio career. Um, <laughs> I really felt <laughs> like this is it. This Come is, on. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. Very happy to be yeah. where I am. But I remember feeling like this is it. And not everybody gets to kind of have that moment, mm. I think, in their life. And I, f- I feel very lucky to have had that. Oh, it's great. And I wasn't, I don't think I was at the time, I don't think I was uh, overly, I wasn't worried about like finding myself or what am I doing with my life or I didn't have any of those questions, but I knew there was definitely something creative or something. I just didn't know how to you know and express I f- it or yeah. what avenue to take yeah and I just when I did that I was like oh yeah this is the thing well I love that and I, and I particularly like it because you were already a parent and I know you and your daughter Ella your eldest daughter you guys have a podcast together yes and Ella is a teenager now and you were a teenager yes. when you had her yeah so she's she's 19 now and I was 18 when I had her okay so what's that like what's it been like looking at her at the age that you were it's do you know when it really hit me actually when she was doing her leaving cert and she was in like the school uniform and I was like I was in that school uniform at her age and I was pregnant with her I was like Whoa. yeah like not to make yourself the main character in her life but you're like I don't want to be a granny yeah. I'm in my 30s <laughs> <laughs> but it's about you and your journey and yeah. your life Please. no so I don't say that to her obviously but I think it all the time in my head on a yeah. loop but um yeah, then I I think, do you know what? I think I had a bit of a, I definitely had a little bit of a moment where I was like, oh, some stuff is coming up from my past. Because I think even if you have a baby and you've like, it's, you know, traditional setup and you've got your house and everything's like rosy. The, the and air quotes the way it's yes. meant to be. Yeah, I think there is that point when the dust settles after a few years. You know, like when people are kind of like walking and talking and it all kind of calms down. Yes, you're I, describing my literal life right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is a point where you go, wow, that was, that was crazy. Insane. That was, you know, you see these pic- like old pictures of yourself and you're smiling, but you can see like, yeah, you're dead. You're dead, dead in your eyes. eyes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but you know what? I was so, I was so happy. Actually, what I remember um, when I, this is kind of cheesy now, but I was doing this um, stand-up show f- for Deirdre O'Kane and I was on Sky. Yeah, I and, saw that. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I was like, nobody saw that. But anyway, it, I was really, it was a really nice thing to get because it was still during lockdown and you're like, what am I even, you know, what am, yeah. like everyone, what am I even doing with my life, whatever. So it was a really nice thing. But on that day, she got her leaving cert results and she got like full marks. Wow. And she was so happy, um, obviously. But like she really, you know, she really worked and she didn't need all those points. I think she just had a thing in her head that this was like her goal, that she wanted that. And I was driving to the Olympia, like, stupid bitch. They're like, do you want a driver? And I was like, no, I'll drive myself. (laughs) (laughs) Always take the driver. Take the driver. Always. And Martin Angola's like, yeah, I took the driver. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake, of course you did, Martin. You're so much cleverer than I am. (laughs) But um, I actually started crying on the way. Because I was just like, I just felt like, oh, it's real full circle. 
Yeah. And so she like she would have watched me like when she, obviously she wasn't at the gig, but like she's seen the whole the whole thing, you yeah. know, like starting out like as a single um a single parent living in my mom and dad's house. Yeah. And then how how far it's all gone. It is amazing. Like it it's is nice. amazing because I was definitely getting my period, but you know what I mean? I had a cry. <laughs> I had no, a little but cry. I think as well, like I mean, I would cry. I will cry if my child gets there yeah. and and does and is happy like exactly. whatever exactly. whatever it is like whether it's the full marks or whatever people don't believe that but that's actually all that you want yeah. you just want them to be happy that's yeah that's all it is and I think I, I can see the emotion there and that's without kind of the journey that you guys obviously went on together you know as a duo before yes. you know you expanded your family um, and 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 also I just think it's so admirable that you found a way to carve out this career for yourself, this thing that you wanted. Like, I think so often as women, we're kind of, the message that we get is like, if you're a parent, that's it now. That's your, that's your sole focus. That's all you can care about. And like, I just love to hear the alternative, which is, yes, I was a parent. I have a brilliant daughter. I raised her. And I also managed to have my own career and build something that I really care about for me, you know? I am sick of that narrative. It drives me insane. And I was lucky that my mom is definitely kind of like, I wouldn't say an earth mom, but she's definitely about the power of women Mm. and how women really are running the whole show. Yeah. And she's right. (laughs) She is right. But that's what I grew up with. So like there was never a question of when I was having Ella that I wasn't going to go to college or whatever. Not that I think third level education is be all and end yeah. up. But, you know, it was like there was definitely a thing of from my family, your story doesn't end here. And in school, I would have been I definitely remember like the career guidance teacher kind of um, talking to me about childcare mm. as a career purely because she was like, well, this girl is pregnant now this will be a handy career for her yeah nothing to do I'd never expressed an interest in that or whatever so that kind of annoyed me but I feel like there is a message that is sometimes given to women that when they're mothers or when they have children or anything like that that it's like it's that thing of like oh game over now yeah um you know curl up into a ball get your cardio on and fuck off and it just infuriates me because I think I think that motherhood is in, like is empowering. So for mm. me, I feel like when I had Ella and then I had her in May and then I went to college in the September. Now, it took me a long time to like get my confidence up. I don't think I would have been able to like start doing stand up then. Yeah. I don't like going out with jazz hands on the stage and like yeah. talking about having a kid and ginger pubes. Like, no, <laughs> I was just functioning at that level. But I think there is, there definitely is power in it. And it gave me a huge focus. Yeah. I was, I was like, you know, I was, uh, I don't know if I was ambitious before, but I definitely didn't have drive before. Yeah. You know, because I had all the time in the world. And then I was like, I suddenly had this thing of, and I certainly didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be in the position as a woman and then as a single mother to be reliant on somebody else financially mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. for me to exceed mm-hmm. so I never wanted first of all I didn't think I'd end up getting into a relationship with somebody I thought like oh that might be further down like yeah. now I thought yeah. maybe like that might be now 
but um it wasn't like my focus I didn't even know how you would navigate that yeah. so as far as I was concerned it was me and Ella and I had to like get stuff done yeah I I totally relate to that feeling because I I felt it the same when I had my son it was like I don't have as much time so I have to really use the time I have to oh, do the stuff yes. I want yes yeah 100% and I just think as well it's that thing of um I could like I could have gone down a different route like say so me and Ella's uh dad I went down to Court Town for a summer <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. that's how all great stories begin I know and I got a job down there and I met him yeah so it was definitely a holiday kind of like romance yeah I was like I'm an owl, I'm down in Cortel, live my life. Anyway, came home, oops. But that was not, that was not meant to be a like, uh, it was, uh, the best thing for us was to like, you know, try our best to figure out co-parenting as teenagers, yeah. like ridiculous. But the thing wouldn't have been for us to like, just go, oh, well. That's it now. That's us for the rest of our a lives. a couple. So, um... Yeah, I think, I don't know what it was, but I was very aware from the start of I had to sort out my own stuff and, um, yeah, and just try to be financially independent and, um, yeah, so. And here you are. I'm knackered. No, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm knackered. I'm so exhausted. You, I mean, three um, kids, you have to be. I'm um, tired. But I mean, it is, I mean, I really admire it. Like, I think it's great. And I think it's a great example for other women. Like, I hear from women quite frequently who say, I love to follow you or whatever. I used to talk about parenting a lot more than I do these days, because frankly, you just invite a lot of opinions that you don't want when you talk about okay, it. Okay, yeah, yeah. But um, I would hear from a lot of women who say, like, I, you know, you make me think that I can have a life if I have a baby. And I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Like, you absolutely can. Yeah. And, and we have to be um, empowered in our lives as women and as mothers to still make decisions for ourselves because you know if we're not happy like your kids are not going to be happy either so you have yeah. to find fulfillment and so for some women fulfillment is in parenting and that's where they feel most fulfilled and that's it. that's they're happy with that they're satisfied with that and I admire those women that's not me you know, yeah. I'm always going to need my career. I'm always going to need yeah. that extra thing. Um, and I think it's great when you see women who who go out and get it for themselves. So I just am such an admirer of yours, Emma. I just, I just want all the moms to be happy. I really do. But you know, like just that they're, it, and it's definitely hard. You, you do obviously lose your identity for a couple of years or, you know, it changes and it yeah. evolves. But um, I think there's such, I really do think there's such, power in motherhood yeah and i'm i'm absolutely sick of people telling moms like no moms yeah. even i didn't it's funny when i started comedy stand up i didn't talk about uh motherhood or children or when i think of it i just like i literally just had a baby mm. when i started doing stand up but i had gotten this message for so long of people not being interested mm. or if it was like it was can kind of considered like a twee thing. Yeah. I'm just like, what? Yeah. I actually remember turning down something because I said I didn't want to be pigeonholed into the the mummy thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And now, so I'm we all like, have our. But that's. But but that's a prejudice that's obviously built into us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Wild. Because if you think about it, like I like I do a joke about it now, but like 
what is it? Up until 1973, if a woman got married, she had to give up her job. Yeah. Like, that's not that long ago. No. So the previous generation of women, even if, say, you know, they got married in 1980, they mm. still have the residual yeah. kind of societal thing from that. Yeah, even if technically you could keep your job, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that every single woman was leaving work. Yeah. Yeah. Or we didn't have crushes, didn't have yeah. Montessori, didn't like... Yeah. So... I think it's it's gonna like take a while, yeah. and then if 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 like going back to your if like going back to your career isn't the thing that you want to do, and you want to do something else, fantastic. But I think it's all about feeling empowered and having having choices. Yes, is the biggest thing, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, Emma, where's your gig? <laughs> My gig is in Liberty Hall, and when is that on? So it's on, there's one on the 4th of November, that's God, and then November 25th. Okay. Yes. So tickets are available now if people want to come and see you. Yes. And we didn't get to talk a lot about your podcast, but I love it. It's You're Grounded and it is your podcast with Ella where you guys kind of play catch up and there's loads of really funny moments. And I love that as an idea of a way to kind of keep in contact with your teenage kid because I know that can be tricky. Um, Yeah, it really is. We just chat and slag each other. That's all it is. Which is my favorite kind of (laughs) communication. And then, of course, no worries if not, it's going to be on RTE too soon. We've got that it all is, going I on. I know. Thank you so much, Emma. Thanks, Emil. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. As I said at the start, lots to talk about in the world of entertainment this week. Um, obviously, Britney's voice note was quite revelatory. Um, speaking of revelations, there were those absolutely horrible ones about Wynne Butler of Arcade Fire, which I think put a lot of people in an awkward position this week. And we will talk about which famous celebs were hanging out in Cork. Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Podcast Network, The Creep Dive and Before Brunch. She's a very busy podcast lady. I am. I like talking professionally. (laughs) And you're so good at it. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of kind of serious stuff this week in the realm of entertainment, but we've got some light stuff as well. But we're going to start with Britney's voice note, which everyone I think is familiar with at this stage. She stuck a big, long, Mm 22-minute kind of monologue up on Twitter because she's not really using Instagram at the moment. Yeah, she's she's, um, paused or deleted her Instagram. Yeah. 
But then she deleted the message as well. Yeah, so she did. She put it out as an unlisted link originally on Twitter, but people could access it. And then obviously people saved it down. So it's still available on YouTube. It's got like, you know, 600,000 views and growing over the last couple of days. But in this voice note, it's 22 minutes long. She explains the details of her conservatorship and from her perspective and how she ended up in one, the things that some of the kind of touch points that we know about that say the photo of her strapped to a gurney going into an ambulance mm. and her perspective behind those things that she said, you know, she was completely compass when that was going on. She felt like she was being set up by her family. The um, the kind of incident that we'd heard about with a dancer where she was questioning a dance move, how that was pinpointed as like a real turning point where she needed to change her medication. And it was just really, really interesting and really sad to hear her perspective on it because it does really sound like she had her wits about her during this time, mm. that she was overpowered by a legal team and by her father. There was also some shocking revelations in it that her father was sort of always abusive. Some of the things he said, even in the early days of her career, you know, he's she quotes him as standing in a room saying, I'm Britney Spears and I'm in a, I'm in control. No one can tell me what to do. So it seems like he was power hungry from the mm. start and he abused that power to put her in a very, very vulnerable position and take away all of her basic rights, her basic necessities, her right to drink, to smoke, to socialize, um, but insisted on her keep on her kind of perpetual working. Mm. And, you know, she actually she lists out all the things she worked on during that time of her conservatorship, you know, and, and questions literally says, like, how was I working? And my family were in my beach house mm. that I was paying for and nobody was doing anything. Um, so it's just really, really sad, really, really concerning, but very interesting. And one of the really interesting things I think about the voice note and her releasing it in the way that she did, even if she has kind of maybe deleted it and tried to take it down, was she's very, it seems like she's very eager to reinstate that power that was taken away from her. Mm. She says that she's been offered loads of money to go and do these interviews, keeps referencing Oprah. I'd love to know what the fee is for Oprah, mm. but um she she keeps saying that this is the way she wanted to tell her story. She doesn't want to be questioned. She doesn't want to be interrogated. She wants to just have a chance to tell her story honestly. And the reason that she's doing it is so that other people who might be going through something difficult feel less alone. Mm. So really, um, really interesting. And just my heart just breaks for Brittany. I'm just very interested in the thought process behind posting it and then taking it down. Like, I wonder what... I wonder, did she post it as an unlisted thing thinking that it wouldn't be public or mm. like, did she intend for people to hear it or, you know, did she put it up and then go, oh, no, I better not. Or did someone advise her that there was a better way to do it? Like, I just wonder. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure with as like with all celebrity things and these kind of um, these kind of stories where there are um allegations made and facts presented, it's probably litigious and there's probably an, there's an ongoing um procedure happening in the background because remember when uh, Jamie Spears was removed from the conservatorship yeah. rather than stepping down that was so that there could be opportunity to prosecute him for yeah. for abuse so perhaps this is like influencing that they don't want this um this to be considered evidence to be something that could 
impact if there's a jury in that case or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I'd yeah. imagine it was legal advice to take yeah. it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I can't wait for her to do her book and then we can just get it all. I still really would love to see her do an Oprah I know, interview. so would I. I understand why she won't. So would I. But I'd love to see her sit down with Oprah. I'd love to see her sit down here with us. Yeah. Firstly, that would be like yes, the number ideal. one thing. Ideal. But um, <laughs> Oprah then is a close second. Yeah, but then, you know, I recently rewatched that. Remember she did that Diane Sawyer interview where Diane Sawyer was kind of questioning her about her relationship with Justin Mm. um, Timberlake and she was like talking to her about being a role model and like you know Britney's actually really strong in that interview but Diane Sawyer like ends up making her cry like it's horrible Mm. so I can completely understand why you might be like no way I'm not putting this very you know kind of sensitive information into anyone else's hands but I too would love to see her do an Oprah big time Um, okay let's move on and talk about Arcade Fire Arcade Fire played two gigs in Dublin this week um, amid much controversy yes so uh, just before the gig was announced Pitchfork or just before the gig happened Pitchfork released an investigation in which uh, four people have made allegations of sexual misconduct and inappropriate behavior against frontman Wynn Butler. Um, and it occurred during the time he was married um, to his bandmate. So, Regine, uh, an icon. Yeah. So, um, it is. It was disappointing, I think, to see that the gigs weren't cancelled mm-hmm. um, and that a lot of people still attended. I think that's been a lot of the discourse online is that like people still went and supported and it's like, how will anything change if we are still putting money into the pockets of men like this? Now, the investigation is really interesting. I think that um, Wynne Butler came out and made a statement through a kind of very top-notch celebrity PR firm and instead of like refuting the allegations, did that thing where they buckle down, they say, I did have relationships with these people. So it's three women and one person who identifies as non-binary. So I did have relationships with these four people, but all of the sex was consensual. Mm. But then goes on to say some really concerning things like um, there's one account uh, where one girl, who also was 18 when he was 36, mm. talking about how he began sending her uh, sexually explicit texts and and photos, how she said to him, I really don't like sexting. And um, his perception of that encounter is totally different and just demonstrates a complete lack of awareness for other people's boundaries and just general respect for people. Mm. And also how you should not, as a 36 year old man be texting an 18 year old girl to begin with um so at one point he says you know they were in a bar or they were in they were in yeah they were in a bar and uh she was really drunk and she asked him to have sex with her and he refused um which she says didn't happen he said then that he so then after that instant he was sending her more and more explicit messages And his defense of that was, I was drunk when I texted her and misread her not answering that she just didn't get my texts. I really misread that she was uncomfortable with the round of sexting and eventually assumed I just hurt her feelings by not reciprocating her request to sleep with her. Mm. So... I've been I've done a lot of thinking about this this week because I had tickets for the Mm. first Arcade Fire gig. I've been a huge Arcade Fire fan. I absolutely adore Regine, um, Wynne Butler's wife. And um, 
love their music and have had some amazing times at Arcade Fire gigs over mm. the last, whatever, 15 years, however long it's been. Um, but yeah, I decided not to go to the gig. I just knew I would have felt really weird about it. Yeah. Um, and that was my decision. And I don't stand in judgment of anyone who decided to go. Um, you know, friends of mine went and... Um, people have their own reasons like you know I lost 90 euro on those that ticket yeah. you know it's a lot of money um, to pay and I think a lot of people actually didn't know about this yeah it and was I, so close together yeah. yeah and I think also a lot of people looked at it and said well there was nothing there was no rape you know it wasn't mm, sexual yeah. assault like you know and and people were able to kind of convince themselves that it was okay in, in yeah. within the, that realm but do you know what it actually got me thinking about is when I was 24, maybe 25, um, there was a well-known British comedian who also worked in the radio. And I think he had written a book maybe or something. He'd done something yeah. at that time that meant I tweeted uh, about it and like tagged him in the tweet. And I was working in radio at the time um, and he started DMing me mm-hmm. about... I thought, <laughs> like now, I'm yeah, like, come yeah. on, Louise. I thought as like a radio person, you know, yeah, we were yeah. like two radio Peers. people. I don't think he was on the radio at the time, and um, but we were two radio people talking about mm. work and like, you know, whatever. And it was kind of thrilling because it was like this famous person yeah. who was like on TV a lot and blah, blah, blah. And occasionally he would do, he did the odd gig kind of, you know, around where I was living at the time. And... um you know, he a few times was kind of like, oh, I thought I saw you. Are you at the gig? Or like, you should come to the gig or whatever. And I never did for, you know, between the jigs and the reels. But like, he didn't do anything like overtly wrong. But now as a nearly 40 year old woman, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Was a middle-aged man doing. But that's it. You can DMing like a down the country little blondie 24 year old yeah. you know small time radio presenter like it's hard to imagine but that there wasn't it. some other kind of what what Win Butler has done here is like distilled it all down to like the kind of micro moments that mm. happened with their interactions there's claims that you know um you know one one view is that he pushed a girl up the wall and was kissing her aggressively and he says it was passionate you yeah. know there's he's distilling it down in a way that is making people sort of disregard all the moments but together yeah these four people together is a pattern of behavior that shows that he is you know that he's mis misusing his power and mis um misusing his authority to to go after very young and very vulnerable well, people. Well, this is the thing. And like I've heard, I've I've been reading so much about this and I've seen lots of people saying, oh, it's revisionist, it's revisionist. These people, after the fact, they say things are inappropriate. Oh, and no, it's like, well, no. yeah, because when you're 18, yeah, and you're you dating, don't have the perspective exactly. that you have as an older person when you look at it and you go, wow, that was really inappropriate. Yeah. What the fuck was a 36-year-old man doing with me in the first place? Exactly. And why did he keep sending me texts when I asked him not to? Whereas when you're 18, you're like, oh my God, this cool person respects me as an adult and like sees it's, me and as an a, equal. The sad thing is it's absolutely not that. It is no, a it's power not play. That. It's a, it's, it's, and you know, when you look at the likes of like Andrew Tate, who overtly says that he wants to make an impression on young girls yeah. because they're, you know, Yeah, he doesn't pure. want anyone older than 19. Yeah. Because how are you going to possibly indoctrinate them basically but that's that that's what these men do yeah. like and they know that they can slide into the dms of a fan and get a response and 
you know, manipulate that conversation to be something sexual. And like, they fucking know what they're doing. Like they absolutely do. And the excuse that like, I was drunk and I fucked up and all that kind of stuff. Like he also, which I thought was really gross, was like I was experiencing depression after Regine had a miscarriage, and I'm like, oh, that makes it better. So your wife had just had a miscarriage, and you were doing you this. Were sad. You were sad, so you went out and you and like this is DM'd what you were doing children. while you were married to her, and she it's was at home. Horrendous. Like? Even yeah, it's just absolutely the 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 kind of excuses and the like. I was drunk and I was whatever. I was like, we've all been drunk. You know right from wrong. Even when you're like absolutely off your tits you go and get a bag of chips you don't feel someone up yeah I think as well like the you know the idea of the kind of all-powerful rock and roll man Mm. who like gets with you know groupies air quotes like that's not a term I would use to refer to women and but gets with these like you know women and calls them backstage and blah 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 like that's been part of the kind of rock and roll picture or like music discourse for decades yeah but it's not okay anymore like it's not because what you're talking about very clearly is taking advantage of the fact that someone admires you and admires yeah. your work. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you can never have a relationship that's healthy with a fan. I think you can. But like if you're talking about when there's such an imbalance of power yeah. and when there's such an age difference, it's really seedy and gross. Yeah. And like another thing, like cool. a, fi- a huge financial indifference and all that kind of stuff, power that's lauded over. Yeah. Um, I think he was aware of what he was doing. I think his statement through a PR firm is very strategic. Um, I just I find it really gross that he like apparently he like casually walked through the crowd before the gig, the other uh, the first gig, yeah. and like shook hands with people and like took pictures and stuff. Like, what was that about? Yeah, you think there would be because I suppose he's he's made this like altruistic, like philanthropic character part of his profile you know they're very kind of good on yeah yeah. you know very progressive um i think that he could have he could do a lot more work to say well actually do you know what this has happened i'm going to address this and i don't think we should perform yeah like yeah 100 percent. i agree i agree but then call yeah if they call the plug they'd have to refund you your 90 euros so they're not going to do that either. No. So instead, I and everyone else who felt like they couldn't go just lost night year down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's talk briefly about Olivia Wilde. We talked about it a bit on mm-hmm. the pod, so I, we don't need to go back to the beginning. But the abridged version is Olivia Wilde's been getting a lot of shit about this new movie, Don't Worry Darling, that she has out. It's the movie where she and Harry Styles fell in love. Florence Pugh is yeah. in it. Apparently, Florence Pugh, not a big fan of Olivia's. And then this week, the Harry stands were delighted because they hate her because she was caught out via Stung a piece of information rapid. about Shia LaBeouf. So she did a cover with Variety and she spoke about um, her process in making art and was talking about uh, how Shia was originally lined up to play the role that Harry took over and how she fired him from the production because of different different things and it wasn't the process she wanted to create it wasn't the environment she wanted to create the most important thing is that her actors and her production team all feel like that they're on this kind of you know flat structure that there's no hierarchy and she really like went ham talking Mm. about this um which was a really weird uh hill to die on because Shia LaBeouf had receipts so he then responded to her and leaked all this back to Variety and was like, um, 
that's not true. That is not accurate. I did not get fired from the production. I left the production because we didn't have enough time to rehearse. At which point then you sent me a text saying you respect my decision. And then a couple of days later, she sent him a video basically begging him to come back to the production saying that she didn't feel it was over yet. Could he reconsider and come back? And this would be a wake up call for Miss Flo talking about Florence Mm. Pugh. And that would they really commit and put their differences aside. Now, like, I just don't understand why she lied. Like, I don't understand why she lied. It's an interesting, his email to her is actually really interesting because all of this unfurled around the same time that FK Twigs had had uh, was suing Shia LaBeouf for relentless abuse and years of misery in their relationship and where more abuse allegations have come out about Shia LaBeouf and just his behavior on set and different ways that he's treated people that are not favorable and um, and he kind of he acknowledges all that in his email and he's like this narrative that I've been fired is not going to help me be able to recover any sense of of reputation or mm. help me or anyone else on my recovery you know he's now over two years sober just under two years sober and he's um he's really trying it sounds like he's trying to make amends he's talking about how he's got mutual respect in the relationship he's in now he's talking about his his you know five-month-old daughter and he has always in fairness to him he has always owned up Mm. to his wrongdoings yeah and he had says that like i abused and not to like if you compare his statement to you know win butler's uh, win butler's Shia, he does use that language around. He says, I have abused the people around me for years, myself and the people around me for years through drink, drugs and my behavior and everything else. And I have caused irreparable damage to other people. And I'm trying to rectify that. Mm. Um, and it, it it doesn't help that there is this narrative that's pushing him back into yeah. headlines of, you know, he was fired because his behavior was bad. And everyone's like, well, what happened between Florence Pugh and yeah. Shia LaBeouf? And also... I think the whole story, this whole, you know, the whole promo for this film, um, really, it, it's just been, it's really eye opening, I think, on how young women as well are treated in Hollywood, like mm. how Florence Pugh was the problem. You know, a problem and then how Olivia Wilde is, is talking about her in that video. And it's so, it feels like a betrayal, I think, in a way, yeah, because it's so hard for women. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was reading that when Florence Pugh got the part, she was saying Olivia Wilde was like a hero of hers and she was so thrilled to be working with her. Um, and then for for Olivia to kind of, you Do know, that is, yeah, yeah, even even just in the video that we saw, maybe it's a wake up call for Miss Flo. Like, it's yeah. so disrespectful. It's a very kind of misogynistic approach to yeah, align herself exactly. with Shia LaBeouf so And it's like, you like have that. fought so hard to be a director and yeah. to get respect as a woman And then creating those alliances that will obviously yeah. obviously go down and set. And then other stuff, like the, the pay was apparently released. I, have, I, I think, like, I was really excited about that film and now I'm like, I don't want to give up my I money. I know, I know. I'm definitely still going to see it though, just I'm, I might trying to legally stream it <laughs> um okay now to something completely different and a little bit lighter orlando bloom and katie perry were in court this week i love this i adore them they're on a cruise this is what i love on a cruise katie perry is performing on a cruise like what the hell why wouldn't she you bring the whole fam you get to see so many places they've got restaurants the hss used to have mcdonald's never got to go on it, <laughs> it was always a dream of mine like cruises are totally underrated for people of a certain age i think we all assume they're you know you be over 65 to enjoy yeah. a cruise my brother and his girlfriend are 24 and just came back from a cruise and had the greatest experience of their entire lives but the cruise ship popped off down in cove 
off they went, got a little coffee, had a little wander around. And um, the little local, the local barista said that Orlando said it was the best coffee he'd ever had in his life. So he was chuffed. Well done, Three Fools Coffee. Yeah. And what a beautiful (laughs) part of the country to stop in. I think it's the launch of a new cruise ship, which is why, yeah, the Norwegian Prima cruise liner, um, which is why they're there. But just how gas. I love it. Absolutely beautiful. The whole fam away on their cruise. I love that for them. And then to finish on some very good news, Bake Off is back. Well, thank the Lord. This is what we needed. The Truly. good gay gods above us are shining down and going to give us a new <laughs> season of Bake Off. We all need a bit of levity right now. Honest to God. So back in less than two weeks, the whole crew back together. Um, I think Matt and Noel are such a good duo here. Oh, it's just I don't agree. Really? I'm not. A, I, it's not personal. I'm sure Matt's a lovely man. I, I don't love him on Bake Off. Okay, fair enough. I love fair no. enough. It took a long time for us to recover from, obviously. Yeah, you what know. happened? Yeah. yeah, but um, no, I like it. I, I, I think like there is nothing more wholesome than a good competitive crafting baking. Yeah, I agree. Series and, and it's just like such a such an indicator that like autumn is here and yeah. we're on the kind of run up to Christmas now. And I'm delighted. It's going to be on Tuesday the 13th of September at 8 p.m. I Wonderful. absolutely can't wait. Getting the snacks ready. <sighs> Cassie Delaney of the Tall Tales Podcast Network. People can check you out at the Creep Dive Podcast, mm-hmm. also before brunch, and um, uh, sure, all the other Wherever usual social me. media platforms. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. just about time for me to go but thank you once again for being with me this week I hope you enjoyed this episode and I don't have a lot to recommend although the recommendation I have I give to you with my whole heart I'm going to recommend Mo it is a new series on Netflix it's eight episodes 20 minutes long well they're kind of 20 to 30 minutes long you know the way streaming shows they can kind of do whatever they want Um, but what I'm saying is it's not a huge undertaking you could kind of watch a couple each night and get through it pretty fast and I think you'll want to because I felt just super invested in Mo the main character like immediately upon watching the first episode it basically follows Mo who is is um, a Palestinian refugee who's grown up in Texas, born in Kuwait, um, but growing up in Texas and his family who are kind of seeking their status still, even though he's, you know, well into his adulthood at this stage. Um, It's funny. I learned things about kind of um, Islam and um, I suppose the experience of refugees in countries like America, but it's just very kind of it just gets you in your heart and it's it's very, very enjoyable. It's called Mo, M-O. It's on Netflix now and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, and yeah. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. That's that's kind of all I have this week. Uh, otherwise, I was just on my usual housewife tip. Very excited about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Cannot wait. The trailer came this week. Very exciting. Also very excited about the second dispatch of Aspen in the Real Houses of Beverly Hills next week. Oh, so exciting. I've also still been on my rewatch of Southern Charm, um, which again, if you haven't watched, I highly recommend. Anywho, I will go, uh, but I will talk to you next Friday. And in the meantime, I hope you have an absolutely brilliant one. And if it's not brilliant, then I hope you can just keep going because that's all we can do in this life. Um, And uh, you know that the next joyful moment is right around the corner.